Welcome to Momentum Church. This has been a great series. I've enjoyed so much hearing people tell me how they are using this series, how they got their coin in their pocket. And um, if you got a coin, you can pull it out. No, I'm not going to do that to you. But they're flipping the track on those negative things that come into their mind. And so this is week four of our soundtrack series. And we've been talking about how if you listen to any thought long enough, it'll become the personal playlist of your life. And we saw in that little video that the background tracks of our life define our lives. It changes everything. And so we've been trying to take personal responsibility for those broken soundtracks that play in our minds. And um, how many has been doing a pretty good job? Like you're, you're flipping those broken soundtracks the last few weeks. Raise your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, 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 good. Those broken soundtracks, they speak to the negative views, negative experiences, negative things that we allow to play over and over about ourselves and about the experiences or others, the world that we live in. Those negative broken soundtracks that play so often in our minds. Now, the thing about that is often those negative soundtracks, they're tied to stuff completely outside of our control. How many know that? Like, like, how many has some stress this week? Anybody in here? Like, be honest. I mean, if you didn't, it's like, Pastor said, raise my hand. I got to raise my hand. You know, so how many want to worship Buddha? Oh, no, good. I didn't get you. All right, good, good, good. I was worried. Somebody like, ah, oh, I worship Buddha. I'll do that. No. So do not sound like that and make me lose my, my job. <laughs> but no, every one of us at times do face anxiety tension, stress, those kinds of things. And so often they're tied to things completely outside of our control. Amy and I, we got married and I was 21. She was 19. And um, it, I had never really had much stress in my life. And um, I, oh, that sounded like a weird setup. <laughs> so we want you all to come to marriage um, um, workshop day as we teach you how to mess up your lives too. No. No, but I got married, and, and, you know, with life, marriage, all that stuff, stress does come. And, and it was this man's fault, really. Um, so a few months after marriage, Pastor Blair hired me to come work for him at his church. This was in Ohio. We were there ten and a half years. And, and I, before I got hired, we had a plan. I was going to buy a truck, okay, pickup truck, and get my tools and I was working for a plumber. I've always told you one of the greatest mentors of my life was a plumber. And so I was working for a plumber. And the idea was I'd already started some distance education. And we were going to work a year, pay off that truck, move to Lakeland, Florida, to Southeastern, and somebody's got Bible college. And I would have a truck and my tools and some know-how so I could feed us while we were at college. That was the plan. And so I buy the truck. And in less than a week of buying this truck, that man hires me to be on staff at his church, which was great. The problem is, I don't need a truck now. Like, I really didn't, you know, I didn't need a truck. Amy, she worked at the daycare at the church. We could take one vehicle in, and if you know anything about me, I am I'm frugal. And so, and, 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 and also, I was making just a little bit less than I was plumbing. And so I was just like, you know, I just don't need a truck. I don't need the extra gas expense, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm feeling this tension. I'm feeling this stress. And I'm upset. I go into the guy that sold it to me. And I said, look, I bought this less than a week ago. I'd like to trade this in. He already got my trade in. It was a good trade in. He's already made money on me twice. 
I'd like to be able to trade this truck in for a car, a little car. I don't, I, you know, just last week I paid nine, you know, somewhere around eight, nine, like just an even trade. And he goes, I'll give you four for it. So I punched him in the throat. I didn't, I didn't. But I was like, four? I was here, I mean, like it literally last week and you my car's not on the lot. You sold my car. You made money on me last week. You made money on me twice. And I just want an even trade. And he said, yeah, I'll give you four. And I'm like, listen, I will tell everybody for the rest of my life not to buy a Smith's Auto. That wasn't the name of it. It wasn't. But I was like, you could have a customer. I'm 21. I'm trying to make my case. I'm 21. You could have a customer for life. And he said, no, I'll give give you four for it. Ooh, I was so mad. And so I'm trying to sell this truck. It's taking me a couple, three months. I forgot how long, four months. I was so frustrated. I got it in the front. I'm paying a payment on this thing. I don't need it. I have it in the front yard of the church trying to buy, trying to sell this thing. And one day I get a call. I'm interested in your truck. I live just on King Street, just down from the church. And so I went down to meet the guy and he was actually a, a crippled fella. And so he wanted to adapt it for him. And I met his son-in-law and his daughter and a couple of the other family members. And, and so while I was there, just made a good connection with the families. They bought my truck. And then about two weeks later, I'm in my office because it was a new office. I just got there. Actually, I just remembered that. You and I shared that office. Yes, <laughs> that was fun. We did for a, for a, for a minute. And... And I was in their wallpaper. This is like in the 90s, mid-90s, so I'm sure it was kind of a greenish color. Had to have a chair rail. Had to have that, that weird French thing on the, you know. And so I'm in there working on it, and this guy knocks on my window because I had the window open. And so his name was Paul. I ran out to Paul. What's going on, buddy? And he's tearing up and stuff. I bring him into the office. We talk. He gives his life to Jesus right then. Man, it was so cool. So I end up, obviously, that week connecting with his family some more, and next thing you know, a family member comes, his wife. And the next thing you know, her sister starts to come. And then next thing you know, mom and dad. And all of a sudden, this whole group of people are getting saved and baptized because of a truck that I was so tense over, so full of, of just what in the world, God, I'm trying to serve you here. I'm just trying to do good. And you're going like, to bankrupt me before I even get started. Well, but God had a plan. Ten and a half years later, that, those families, they actually sowed in to this church plant. When we were moving here to plant, those families gave money. That truck went a long way. You know what I'm saying? So no fault of my own. Stress comes. God's got it. God knows what he's doing. But in that moment, I was struggling to keep my peace. Today, we're going to be looking at peace versus anxiety and what it looks like to flip those. I was struggling, but Isaiah 26, three says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Oh, my mind was not stayed on. Hmm, Lord, what might you be doing in this moment? My mind was far from that in that moment. I was frustrated, but keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? It goes on. It says, because he trusts in you. There's a, a faith in him. There's a connection in him, a leaning into him because he trusts in you. Amen? And if you're a lady here, you can say because she trusts in you. Amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I want to look at this idea of how to lean in to God in the middle of trying to flip that that coin between torment, anxiety, I I don't know what you want to call it, 
travail, stress. Someone give me another one. You're like, Ross, you used them all. Okay, that'll work. And then you flip it on the other side, peace. But it's not our peace, it's the peace of God. And I want to look at what it looks like to flip that. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not as easy as, it may, as a preacher may want you to think. All right? Because we want a quick fix, don't we? And, and, and we've been kind of talking a little bit about quick fix. You got that negative thought, you flip it, right? You speak that positive thought what God would say concerning that. And so I want us to look at this. And the reason why is because the peace of God comes from his presence. I love what the word says. It says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Everybody say, I'm going to say it again. In his presence, there is, there is, there is, yeah. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And I'm not sure if that, that, is a, an ellipsis, you know? I mean, I know joy is what the scripture says. I know that. But I don't know about y'all. In his presence, there is fullness of strength. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. There's fullness of peace. There's fullness, I think you could add, because within God, there's no lack. And so whatever that is that feels less than full, right? Fullness. There's the fullness of God in his presence. And, and, and that's where we find peace. That's where we find peace. You know, I've taught you before the word shalom, when greeted by a Jewish person, what that word literally means is I'm wishing upon you, Chaz, shalom. I'm wishing upon or believing upon the idea that you would have no lack in your life. The, the word shalom, literally, it's peace, but it means to be absent of lack. You have somebody that is hungry. There's not peace in their body. There's toy moral in their stomach, and you give them fish, you're giving them peace. You're filling the lack. Does that make sense? And so we see here that peace. When there's presence, there's fullness of joy. There's shalom, the fullness of God. All that he has, that absence of lack, we find in his presence. And so I want to look at peace versus anxiety today. But when dealing with anxiety, it's a little different than the stuff we've been talking about. All right? It's just a little bit different. We can't just flip the coin. We can't just flip the soundtrack when dealing with anxiety. Be honest. You don't have to raise your hand. You know that to be true. There's nights you've laid anxious in bed, and you say, Pastor said just to, to write down the loudest voice, the loudest soundtrack that's negative in my life, and then go see what the word says, and then just flip that coin and speak that word, and in that moment, you're flipping it, you're going to start to rewire your brain. That's some good preaching your preacher said a few weeks ago. <laughs> All right? But I'm going to tell you right now, your preacher only got you halfway there. Because when it comes to anxiety, flipping the coin isn't enough. Right? It's just not. When it comes to dealing with anxiety, we've got to draw ourselves to the place of his presence. We have to. When it comes to dealing with torment and anxiety, we got to talk ourselves into the presence of God. Now, when I say talk, I'm not saying beg. You're a child of God. You come boldly to the throne room of God. Amen? I'm not saying you're begging. When I say talk yourself into the presence of God, I'm talking about a type of prayer. You know talking to God is prayer, right? And so that's what I'm saying. You're, you're praying your way. You're talking. I like it that. I just like the thought of that. I, I'm not just praying. I'm talking to God. I'm talking to myself. I'm going through all this anxiety, and I'm talking to myself into his presence. Oh, that's good. And see, it's because this is not a prayer of petition only. 
You know, the Bible says that we are to um, make our request known to God. You know, if you're anxious, don't be anxious for anything. Make your request known to God. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. So there is a place that you need to profess. You need to petition. There is a place where we're speaking to, to God about our need, all right? But I still find there's something that God wants to do, not, not from us, to have from us. It's something he wants to do for us. Is that good? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's not the type of prayer that's petition. It's a type of prayer that is birthed in relationship. It's a, it's a type of prayer birthed in the idea of conversation and proximity. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Where? In the presence of the Lord. That's proximity. Amen. I come into his presence with this idea of talking, with this idea of making time with God in mind, this idea of creating space and room where I can have this interaction with the Lord. And God even says that he draws near to those who draw near to him. It's an invitation, but we have our part. All right, so there's something that we do, but it's not just praying. It's not just speaking. It's not just flipping the coin. You know, there's something we do that draws us closer to his presence. And, and, and a lot of times when we're going through anxiety and tension and stress, my brain, when I think of the scriptures, goes straight to, to David, right? David brought a lot of it upon himself. But before he brought it upon himself, years before, when King Saul was still in leadership, he was jealous of David. And he wanted to kill David. He knew this up-and-coming young man was rising up. And people were starting to, to have a, a, a heart toward him. And he could see what was coming. And he wanted to kill David. And David is literally running for his life. That sounds stressful. <laughs> right? Oh, man. And I want you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. This, this is a psalm of David. And it's called a psalm of lament. Lament, all right? Not Lamont, lament. And David wrote this during this time. This is what theologians, they, they're pretty sure that he's, he wrote it during the time when he was running from King Saul. And I think lament is a beautiful thing. And you may say, Pastor, I, I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon dealing with lament. Well, let me tell you what lament means. Lament is a passionate, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. All right. I, I think lament could be like, I'm so stressed out. That's a, a lament, right? I don't know if I can handle this anymore. That's a lament. But I love how David directs his lament. And we're going to see this here in a second. What laments do, they teach us that it's never wrong to cry out to God. Sometimes in our Pentecostal charismatic faith, you know, that kind of take on scripture. It's almost like if you have anything negative, oh, better be careful. Yeah, you better, but don't say that. You know, if you say that, devil get all over that. And I'm sorry, the greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, but my God is stronger than my faith. You, you hear what I just said? My God is stronger than my ability to believe God. Because there's times I want to let go, right? But God is faithful. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Yeah. So God hears us in our pain, and he welcomes us to draw close 
to his presence. That's what Psalm 27 is all about. I want us to stand. I love to stand as a body, just as we get into the first major scripture that we look at for a day. And, and, and I want you to listen to this because in this passage, you begin to hear, you hear David's profession, all right? Profession is powerful. That's what we've been teaching this whole time. Take that negative thing, find out what God says about it, flip it, speak that. Let that become the soundtrack, right? And I want you to hear what David says in verse one through three. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You catch that? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So in other words, this dude is chasing me down to kill me. Flip the track. And he's reminding himself, no, 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 no. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You got that, Saul? You ugly. Right? I, I, I feel exposed. I feel as if it would take nothing for me to have that spear put in my back. And he declares, he flips it. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 2. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. He, he's making declaration. He's making a profession. Verse 3. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arises against me, yet I will be confident. Can you see David? I mean, I know he didn't have a coin, but can you just see him thinking like he's, okay, this, I know this is what I'm feeling, but this is what I'm declaring. This is my profession. So profession is good, but it's in the presence of the Lord. There is, all right, profession is good, but it's not enough. Go ahead and have your seat. Profession is good, but it's not enough. Right? That's why I said a few weeks ago, what I was preaching is right. But when it comes to anxiety, there's something else. There's, some, there's, a, there's something else. Because number one, we can't just talk ourselves out of anxiety. We can't. We can't. We just can't. And I want to take a moment as we get into this, I want to take a moment and say to those in the room that have struggled with clinical depression, clinical anxiety, you are in a church that believes the instantaneous miracle of God can take place right now and remove that. But you're also in a church that thanks God for counselors. Amen. Psychologists. Amen. Medicine. Amen. I believe in it. I went to Oral Roberts University, and one of the things that the Oral Roberts, he was a healing evangelist in the 40s and 50s, but he said that healing flows from God, it just has multiple streams. The divine miracle, medicine, but all comes from God, amen? And we thank the Lord, our healer, our Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us. We thank him for being the one that heals us. But it all flows from him. So I don't want you to feel at all, as I preach, any sense of tinge of, of I'm not doing enough. This is actually the opposite of that. This is, this is I, I, be encouraged by this. I had, I had somebody talk to me in the last service, so encouraged by this, okay? And so I just want to give that as a little caveat. And so we just can't talk ourselves out of anxiety. Watch this, Psalms 27, verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after. There's one thing I want. There's one thing. He knew. He, we just came off three verses of profession. Three verses of, of positive speaking. Norman Vincent Peale would have been so happy with David, right? All that positive. Today, we would say Tony Robbins would be so happy. Just 
King David, David just cussed less, but, but you, you get the point, okay? Positive, positive. But then watch what he does. Watch this. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord that I'll seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In other words, I have my profession, but there's something I know I need to be in his presence. Listen, you can't talk yourself into peace. You just can't. Do you know why? Because peace is a person. We can try to get our profession straight, but at times it just feels weak. You know, and I told you that one of the ways our mind works is it'll make us feel like a fraud. Like you're a liar. You're saying all this stuff, but it's not real, you know? Well, that's all right. I can feel like a fraud, but if I'm in the presence of God, it ain't about me. It's about him. It's all right. I can feel weak, but I'm behind the one who is strong. Amen? It's all right. I don't feel confident, but I'm behind the one that has all the confidence in the world. That's why he can guard my heart and my mind, as the scripture says, right? And so it's about the presence. We can't talk ourselves out of anxiety. No, no, no. You just can't. And so profession is important. That's the talking part. That's getting our confession right. That's speaking life and not death. That's all that. But we need profession and presence. Peace isn't about profession. Peace in the storm is about a person. Peace in the storm is about, everybody say presence. You know the story in Mark chapter 4. Jesus, he tells his disciples, we're going to go across the lake. And you, you think lake, something small. This is called Lake of Gennesaret, okay? We call it the Sea of Galilee, all right? If you've ever been there, it's big, right? I wouldn't know. I didn't get invited. <laughs> Pastor Stephanie got to go and, yes. It's just wrong. Real pretty. Robinsonburg. It's not fair. I'm a wise man. I should go first. No Robinson should beat a wise man to the Holy Lands. No. Oy, no. So Sea of Galilee, it's, big. it's a big, big body of water. And Jesus says, we're going to go over to the other side. And as they go, he takes a nap. You know, he's in the bottom there taking a nap. And a storm comes up. And the disciples are just absolutely freaked out. It says that the water's coming over the bow of the boat. It's tossing them. It feels as if they're going to go down. And I want you to hear what their profession is, right? They, they, they say, teacher, don't you care about us? Catch that? We're going down, is what they said. Don't you care about us? I'm going to tell you right now. We do have to guard our profession. Because when we go through anxiety and those moments of torment and tension, it's easy to begin to say, teacher, don't you care about us? God, don't you understand? You knew I was getting hired at this church. Why'd you let me buy a car? Well, I don't remember asking him, actually. You know? So that idea of profession, they're professing. But the problem with it is that profession would cause them to pull away from God, from the Lord, if they're not careful, if they continue down that line. But thank God they came to him. You know, they came to him. And Jesus stood up and gave a command to the wind and the water. He said, peace be still. And the wind stopped and the lake became calm. And he said to his followers, why are you afraid? Do you still have little faith? I've taught you before that word is basically you have underdeveloped faith. Are you like children still? You've been with me a while here. Why, why can't you just trust me? I'm in the boat with you. 
I told you we're going over. If he said you're going over, you ain't going under. Right? I told you. And yes, there's storms and stuff, but can you see I'm at rest? And so as they professed the wrong thing, thank God his grace stood up because he knew their faith needed to grow. They had underdeveloped faith, and he calmed the storm. He calmed the sea. But it was their proximity to him. It was his presence in the boat that made all the difference in the world. And they even said this. They said, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waters obey him. I love that. In that moment, they're crying out. In that moment, their, their, their profession isn't lining up with what the truth is. God did care for them. But they still went to Jesus. I'm just telling you this. Your faith does not have to be perfect. Amen? There's days it feels broken. Amen? You've heard me say it before. Sometimes your believer feels weak. Your believer feels broken, right? But it's proximity. We need profession and we need proximity. And so that sense of crying out to God isn't a bad thing. When we cry out to God, we're coming into his presence. We're coming to, in, into proximity. And it's like a lament. And to me, I feel a lament is an act of faith. It's not an act of weakness. David wasn't being weak when he began to profess those things. He was being full of faith in his God. Oh, the moment looks scary, but he was being full of faith. So lament is an act of faith because God is the only one who can do something about your pain and about your anxiety. What happens is when we lament, when we have those expressions of, this week's been a bad week, I'll just be honest. There was a couple handful of different, there was a bunch of stuff. I told my friend this morning, I said, I feel punch drunk. You know, you ever have a week where it's just one thing after another after another, you know, just feel punch drunk. But lament is a powerful thing because we acknowledge that God is everything. Yeah, God, you're fine. You've got this. We acknowledge that God is, is, is everything. And our anxiety, we call out to God knowing that he is there. They, and even in their weak faith, they called out to Jesus. And they didn't even say it right. Like, do you even care? And Jesus cared. And Jesus showed them. Why? Because he was there. Amen? Do you know one of the names of God is Jehovah Shammah? Everybody say Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah means the Lord is there. Isn't that awesome? Ooh, he is your Jehovah Shammah. He's there. And if he's there, that changes everything. So we can't just speak our way into peace. Number two, when dealing with anxiety, we need to abide in the presence of God. We need to abide where he is. The Lord is there. We need to abide there. Psalm 27, 5. For he will hide me in his shelter. In the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. We find ourselves abiding in his presence. I told you this week, man, it was just tough, one thing after another. And I don't say this very, very um, um, flippantly, you know. It's like, because you hear it a lot these days. But man, I just felt like old hurts, old pains, old things just got picked at this week. And in the midst of that, I was like, I'm getting triggered but I felt that. I don't know if I've ever felt that in my life. Can I be honest with you? I've heard people say, that triggers me. I'm like, "Uh, really, really? (laughs) Really? I'm just being honest. And, um, and, but this week it was like, do I have PTSD? I might. I mean, I'm not making a joke. I was just like some past stuff. It was just like, you know, some people stuff. And it was just like, oh, oh, oh. And I didn't even know I was feeling these emotions. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, it just started to come up. And I'm like, what am I dealing with here? You know? All the old lies started coming. All those old thoughts started coming. 
You know, I was told you I went back home with, with to see dad for his birthday. First time seeing dad without mom, you know. I'm going to go all through all that. But, man, that was weighing on me this week. It just, it just was a tough week, you know. And then yesterday, yesterday, God hid me in his shelter. And it came from a different way. I, I had a guy text me late, late, late Friday night saying, can you talk to my mother on the phone? She's in the hospital. And um, this is a person that had came to the Lord here at our church um, a decade ago, Mike Borgonia. If you've been around a long time, you know Mike. And so Mike, man, we saw him get saved. I mean, just amazing. Baptized that guy. And they moved away about 10 years ago. And so he's like, can you call my mother? She's in the hospital. And so on Saturday, we called, or he called me. We got us on the speakerphone. And her name's Pam. And Pam just was, she was moaning, just crushing my heart. And he had told me, he said, she's, she's at that place. And we were trying to, we were praying yesterday, but she just won't let go. But she's at that place. And she was just moaning in pain. Pam, honey, can you hear me? Yeah. You know, she was just moaning. She could hear me. And I began to tell her, I said, you know what? The Bible says that we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I said, Pam, honey, I said, you're under the shadow of the Almighty. You're in a secret place. The enemy maybe throwing fists at you right now, and you feel like he's taking your life, but no, no, no. He's just shadow boxing. He can't touch you. I said, Pam, that's why it's called the valley of the shadow of death. It can't touch you. Your shepherd is getting ready to lead you home. And I just was sharing with her, and, and we prayed a sweet prayer of release. 30 minutes later, he texts me, Mom's in heaven. <laughs> God's good. You want me to pray for you? Got an anointing. No, I'm kidding. No. <clears throat> I didn't say that in the first service. <clears throat> but there was something about Mike and I joining together in prayer to where in God's presence is fullness. And all week I felt beat up. I get off the phone, and it was just like the presence of God set in my office. And I just, whew. And then my mind went to, I hate that I wasn't with mom 10 months before she passed. That's the last time I'd seen her. Mike got to be with his mom and right there holding her hand right to the end. And, and my mind was thinking about that. Oh, God, thank you that you, Mike got to be there to the end. I, like, I, I didn't feel the burden by it. There was something beautiful because in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. And the anxieties of the week had nothing to do with that moment. But that moment opened me up to the presence of the Lord. Does that make sense? There was proximity to God. We invited, we were on the edge of the throne room. I didn't know it. Pam was getting welcomed in. And we were just right there on the edge. Man, God just got all over me on that, you know, and brought that peace. Yeah, so lament is a type of prayer. It is. We were lamenting. We were grieving in that moment. And lament is a type of prayer. It's not a prayer of petition, though. It's a prayer of relationship based in conversation and proximity. He says, I'll hide me. You'll hide me in your shelter. You'll conceal me under the cover of your tent. Oh, I love that. And so you can't just flip the coin. You just can't. And just have profession. You've got to draw yourself into a place of his presence. And when I say draw yourself, wait a second. Doesn't God draw us? Yes, the Holy Spirit woos us. But he says, I draw near to those who draw near to me. His eyes are looking all around the earth for people that have faith, the Bible says. And again, I've already taught you today. I don't think that faith has to be perfect. 
He rose up in that boat and said, peace be still, to a bunch of knucklehead disciples that were still growing. Okay? But we do have to draw near. We have to make time with God in mind. And so number three, it's in the place of God's presence that we begin to hear the sound of a new song. Amen? Psalm 27, 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. It sounds like a heart that's heavy. But by the end, he has found himself in proximity and in in the presence of God. And he's like, God, you're going to help me sing a new song. Amen? Is that awesome? But it happens by going into his presence. Excuse me. And so I want to call for the worship team. We're going, to, we're going to worship. Take some time again to come into the presence of the Lord. As the worship team is coming, let's stand to our feet. Because <clears throat> I said, draw near to me and I draw near to you. So there is some responsibility on our part to do our part. And then let God do his part. I got to do what only I can do. I got to do the drawing and I need to take that decision to say, God, I'm coming to you with all of this. And then God will do what only he can do. The last verse, Psalm 27, 13 through 14. It shows us the power of both profession and presence. We need both. If we don't have presence, our profession will become a veiled humanism. Does that make sense? We just speak positive speaking. It's it's humanism. Oh, man, our profession that's lined up with the word of God invites the power and presence of God into that moment. Our profession, it's designed not to be a magical incantation. Amen? It's designed to cause our hearts to not be distracted to draw close in proximity to the Lord. Because if I'm speaking his word, then I'm leaning into his heart. Does that make sense? I'm getting closer, not further away. But there's been times in my life where my bitterness and my frustration and the anxiety and tension has caused me to stiff arm God. Man, that just prolongs the pain. So I want to invite us to, to rush into his presence today. Here's what it says. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is the last, this is that, that, the, 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 the verse 13 of the lament. I'm going to look upon the goodness of God. We sang about that earlier. In the land of the living. You know what that's called? That's called a profession. He's professing that, right? I believe. I'm going to look upon the goodness of God in the land of the living. Then watch verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. That's presence. We need both in our lives. We need profession and we need presence. Now, that doesn't mean that presence of God is always overwhelming, you know? Ooh, that happens. The Holy Spirit has touched me sometimes in such a way that I can't even talk right, you know? English won't even do. Words come out that I don't even know. But then there's times where I pray and I'm in His presence and I'm like, are we, are we getting anything done here, God? But later on, you feel it. You feel the strength of the Lord. You feel his his power in your life. Does that make sense? So we don't go off of feelings. No, we profess, and then we walk into presence, and we rest. 
In the first service, Barbara Graves was here and the Lord gave her a word for us to, that she's not in this service, but it was so poignant. She was saying how she had been resting in the Lord, just being quiet before him, be quiet, be still and know that I'm the Lord. And so she's like, I've been still for like a week or two, just being still before God, but not really sense anything. And then I can't remember what she said, but something happened to where, oh, just a flood of God's presence. Why? Because she'd been sowing into being still, you know? And I had the picture of in his presence, his fullness of joy, of a full glass. I'm in his presence and there's fullness, there's fullness, there's fullness. And then all of a sudden, something happens and God gives that next little measure. <laughs> if something's full and it gets a little bit more, it's overflowing. And there's some of you in this room today, at these altars, God's going to bring an overflowing touch of the Holy Spirit upon you. Amen. There's others, he's just going to fill up. Amen. There's others, man, you just feel so empty. He's going to start filling up, filling up. He's going to keep filling up all week long. Amen. So what I want to do, I want to pray. And we're going to go back into worship. And then sometime during worship, if there's something that you need prayed for, or if you just want to kneel at these altars and seek God on your own, man, let's not rush out of here. We, we, we've made the service to where we're worshiping at the end, all right? But let's just go and press in and find that fullness of joy. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you have taught us to set our speech right. But Lord, you've also taught us to set our steps right. And Lord, today we step towards you. Hmm. Holy Spirit, this is your house. <laughs> you have your way in this place, Jesus. Do what you desire, Holy Spirit. Speak what you want to speak. Move how you desire to move. We want to find your joy today. In Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.